anybody up here to make an announcement for the Pathfinder registration, but it's happening tomorrow. So I want you guys to find this in your bulletin, young kids, kids who are Pathfinder age, fifth grade through 12th grade. It is tomorrow, so be there. The other announcement I have is uh, Dr. Ben Carson is going to be here speaking on September 27 at the Pendleton Convention Center, and it is free. Uh, you do have to call a number, so get your pen out, and I'm going to give you the number here. 
They're going to feed you. That's free, too. They're going to ask you what you want to eat, and you get to choose. So um, it's the number. You ready? 541-276-5757. This is sponsored by um, the Pregnancy care center or it's they have a new name hope with options it used to be the pregnancy crisis center but they decided pregnancy was not always a crisis so they changed the name to hope with options amen good girls so they are having uh, ben carson as their keynote speaker for 2022 fall banquet so they'll feed you you get to hear him speak it's all free please come Shanna Boyer, where are you? You're supposed to be up here to make an announcement, and I'm going to have to make it for you. Um, She said, please make the announcement that Women's Ministries is sponsoring Dr. Janice McKenzie, a professor of biology at Walla Walla University, to come talk to us about women's health on September 5 at 6 p.m. in the Fireside Room. We know that that is Labor Day, but this is the time that she had available. Ladies, please come and join us. Bring your favorite snack to share in the Fireside Room, September 5, Labor Day. So, have a happy Sabbath, and welcome to our church family. Glad to see each one of you here. Have a blessed day. I want to add my welcome as well. Uh, we're going to try something a little different on the offering this morning. Uh, we are going to take it up. We're going to do it in, in the aisles and whatnot. One thing that if that doesn't meet your schedule the way you got it planned and you want to, you're more than welcome to put your offering in the boxes. They're still here. But we're going to try this other uh, process and hopefully it'll work. Uh, Our offering this morning is for the Upper Columbia Conference Advanced Appeal. Heavenly Father, help us to respond to your call of revival through prayers, singing, giving, and dedicated life. For Jesus, our name, amen.
Our children's story this morning is going to be by Auntie Norma. And children, as you, the, as you gather up the dollars to put in our little schoolhouse, uh, do your best not to miss any corners. We want to make sure we get everybody's dollar. So. <laughs> School's about to start. Are you excited? Are you excited? Yeah. Can't wait, huh? What about that first report card? This is Betsy's report card, and she was taking it home to her mother, and she knew what it said inside, and it wasn't pretty. Let's see, she got a C in math, a C in history, a D in science, an F in English. Yeah, really bad. She couldn't spell. It was terrible. But she got home and she gave it to her mother. And her mother looked at it and said, you know, honey, these are very important things to learn. But let's look at some other important things to learn. What grade would you get for kindness? 
Betsy, I would give you an A for kindness. You are always kind, always willing to be helpful. You take good care of the animals. What grade would you get for helpfulness? You know, you see your friend who has a problem and needs a little help. You're always willing to help. I'd give you an A for helpfulness. What about honesty, Betsy? Honesty. You are always honest. You always tell the truth, almost always. Maybe an A minus for that, but that's okay. Empathy. Does anybody know what empathy means? What? You got, she got a D in empathy? E for effort. E for effort for empathy. Okay. And cheerfulness. Well, Betsy was, she got an A plus for cheerfulness. So just remember that when you get your first report card and it has some C's, D's, F's in it, that you can be, grow up to be a really successful person. Betsy's mom grew up to be, she, she went to college. She didn't get great grades even in college, but she worked harder. And that's what her mom had told her, you'll have to work harder and so she worked harder. She ended up getting her master's degree and becoming, she wanted to be a teacher, but she became the principal. She jumped right over the teacher's position and became the principal at the school. And she became very successful. So yes, math, science, history, social studies, those are all very, very important. But so are cheerfulness, honesty, kindness, helpfulness, and empathy. Remember that. You can go back to your seats and happy school year. family. Are we all excited to be here today? I'm just going to keep talking until my microphone is working. Are you hearing me out there? Oh, if I actually put it next to my mouth, then you, then it actually works, right? Okay, praise the Lord from whom all blessings flow. And you were responding as if you could hear me with no microphone. Uh, my mother has often told me, Stephen, you don't need a microphone. If you just open your mouth, everyone in Pendleton will know that you're, that you have, that you're in town. And so... But today, friends, we have come together as a church family, and we have some wonderful celebrations that are right here in your church bulletin. And the first celebration that we have is our teacher dedication for our Pendleton Christian School. And so at this time, I would like to ask our teachers to please come forward. Miss Whitten is here, Mrs. Lopez, and Mrs. Martin. And also, we do have some wonderful 
wonderful help besides our three teachers that we would like to dedicate today. Okay. Um, we also have Al Olson, who is helping with our shop class. And we also have Mrs. Lundquist, who is going to be helping with our sewing class. And we also have Amanda Sauer, who is our substitute teacher at Pendleton Christian School. And, okay, and Mrs. Bruner is also going to be helping at the school. Friends, it takes not only, not only does it take our teachers and our teacher's aid, but it takes all of our wonderful volunteers, our families, all of us coming together to raise up and train up our children, not only so that they know how to read and to write and to do math, but so that they also learn to follow Jesus and to be more like him. And so let me get right down here at the end. Danielle is telling me, Pastor, please move over and get in the picture with these folks. All right, friends, let's hear a round of applause for our wonderful teachers and all of our volunteers that make Pendleton Christian School happen. And let's say a word of prayer at this time. Heavenly Father, I just want to pray for those who are going to be teaching and working with our children at the school. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit to be present to bless them with strength, with courage, and with the ability to guide our children. Lord, I just want to ask also that you will put it in the heart of each and every single member of this church family and community in Pendleton and Pilot Rock to come alongside these individuals standing up front. It's going to take all of us working together to guide our children, not in only the subjects that they're learning at school, but to teach them to grow to be more and more like you as the school years go by. Lord, thank you for each individual standing up here and for all of the church family that is praying for them and supporting them this school year. And Lord, be with each and every single one of our children. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you so much for coming forward. And I do want to give a little something for Miss Whitney. Mrs. Lopez and Dana, our teacher's aide, thank you so much for all of the hours that you are going to be pouring into our children. And then Miss Witten has something that she would like to share with all of you. It is on all the way. You are prepared. Good morning. I, I just wanted to share with you that we just finished our first week of school. We currently have 31 students registered and attending, so we're really excited because we had budgeted for 30. God has blessed us uh, with 31, but we would love to have more. So if you know anyone who's still thinking or praying about it, um, we had a good first week. Mrs. Martin is helping with Mrs. Lopez in K through three. And there are hmm, 17 in that class. And I have 14 in grades four through eight. And we're just, we had a good first week. We're blessed, and uh, we look forward to the coming weeks and the entire school year, and we thank you for your support. 
Kaiser. Been blessed by reading through the book of Revelation with my children at home. And um, we've been taking it just a couple verses at a time and talking about the churches and the seals and just uh, a couple days ago started on the horses and uh, so much so much to look forward to so many wonderful things as we think about God's promises and all the symbols that he's used to show us what's going to happen so that we don't have to be afraid And this, uh, this song is based on a section in the throne room. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to come. So if you've heard this song before and you know it, uh, sing with us. And those of you who haven't, uh, you can learn it today. Yeah. 
filled with wonder, awestruck wonder, at the mention of your name. Jesus, your name is power, breath and living water. just so wonderful to be there thinking about the throne room of heaven where God and his angels they're making plans for us right now folks they want to see you soon when Jesus decides it's time we're almost home brothers and sisters we are almost home you can see it in the world around us Again, if you know this, please sing it loud about being almost there. You disappointed, you desperate for help, you know what it's like to be tired. Only a shell of yourself. You start to believe. Don't have what it takes. Cause it's all you can do just to move, much less finish the race. But don't forget what
because of Jesus and us, it's not if or when. So take joy in the journey. Focus time for our prayer song. Some of you have burdens today. <laughs> maybe you're having some trouble with family, your kids, your spouse. Maybe finances are a struggle for you today. I invite you now to come to the feet of Jesus and pour out all of these burdens at his feet today. You're welcome to come forward as we sing this beautiful hymn of praise, this anthem about God's amazing grace. Amazing grace. 
Excuse me while I unplug <laughs> everything. We don't want to have another accident here. <laughs> Slight change in the program. We'll have our congregational prayer at this time. But before I uh, have the prayer, I'd like to make an announcement for uh, hopefully those of you uh, that pray for different ones in our church family during the week, we would like you to remember uh, the following. These are individuals who are having health issues. Brenda McAdams, Wendy Meisner, Gloria Wilson, Harvey Deramo, and Turk Goff. If possible, I ask that you will bow with me as we pray this morning. 
Father, we thank you that you have brought each of us safely to this place. We gladly surrender our lives to you in worship and praise. As we gather, we remember those who are not with us today. For those who are sick or those who are asking for healing, we pray that you will be with them especially close and enclose them in your arms. And for those who are away from us, we ask for your blessing to be on them. We invite the Holy Spirit to move freely among us, come dwell in each of our hearts. Equip us, challenge us, comfort us, and teach us. Inspire us as we learn more about your majestic ways. Father, as we meet now, may we behold your beauty and encounter your grace. We ask all this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. This time, I would like to ask Barbara Tapp to please come forward. And some of you were saying, we haven't met Barb yet. Friends, I just have to tell you something. Barb is an absolute wonderful person to have the opportunity to visit with. And so I want to introduce to all of you Barbara Tapp. And she came along recently and she said, uh, she called Sandra, she said, I would like to have a visit with Pastor Farr. So she came in and we were having a theological conversation. She says, can you answer a few of my questions? Oh, I would love to answer some of your questions. We had a wonderful visit and then lo and behold, about a week later, right there on the calendar, Barb was coming back to visit with me. She had some more questions and she came into my office and sat down and she said something to me I will never forget. It was, I was, I, I was not prepared. I thought we were going to have just like a Bible study and you were going to ask me a few questions. We would pray and you would go on your way. She looks at me and she says, Pastor Farr, she says, Deanna and Dave and Ember, my granddaughter, are all a part of this church. And I just really think the kingdom of God is about family. And I want to know why in the world shouldn't I be part of this church too? Can I get an amen for that? And I said, Barb, I've got good news for you. And you, you guys know me. I didn't even, uh, she hardly was able to get a word in edgewise to finish that sentence. And I said, Barb, I have good news for you. I interrupted right in. I said, Barb, I've got good news for you. There is no reason why you can't be a part of our church family. Let's do it. And so we've been meeting over the last several weeks, and we have been talking about all of the different theological questions that she had for me concerning Adventism and what we believe. And she says, there isn't a single thing about all of these things we've talked about that would keep me from wanting to be a part of this church. Now, I just have to tell one other thing on you, Barb. I just love this part of the story. Uh, I come back from preaching the last several weeks and being up at the NPUC to find out that Barb 
has not, we haven't even had a chance to do your profession of faith today. And she is already up at the school volunteering and getting involved with our kids at Pendleton Christian School. Can you believe that? Man, I'm telling you. And so praise the Lord from whom all blessings flow. Barb has asked to join our church today. And I have something here from the church family just for you. Uh, first, we have a certificate for, for your profession of faith commemorating this day. And it has on it um, a list of all of the Bible studies that you and I covered. And then also we have a card for you, and we have a wonderful gift just for you. And I'm so excited about it because I got to pick it out myself. And I just said, I know Barb is going to love this present. I'm not going to make you open it right here. Okay. So, friends, with your permission, I just want to hear, uh, I want to hear, and uh, I want to see... Let me see, how do we want to do this? I want to hear an amen from every single person in this church that would like to welcome Barb into our church family today. Amen. Well, with that amen, Barb, there's only one thing left to do. I'd like to say a prayer with you. Can we do that? Let's pray together, family. Heavenly Father, I just want to praise your name for Barb. She is just such a delight to visit with. She has wonderful questions about your word. And uh, when we're visiting, I'm just always smiling and laughing and enjoying so much our conversation. I'm so happy to have her and all of her family that has joined us here at the Pendleton Adventist Church. And Lord, um, I just want to pray that you will continue to bless her with the presence of your Holy Spirit, that you will continue to move and work in her life as you have been all along. And I just want to pray a prayer of thanksgiving that you've brought her here to be with us and that she's already such a big blessing to me and even our school. And I know, God, you're going to continue to use her to be a blessing in so many ways as she journeys together with us. Lord, we're excited because we're almost home. In Jesus' name, amen. We're happy to have you, Barb. Thanks for joining us. Amen and amen. It gives me a thrill whenever I see someone who really wants to walk close with the Lord, doesn't it you? For those of you who would like to follow along in our scripture reading today, it is found in John chapter 19, verses 28 through 30. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished, and to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Wow. It's just crazy to think about the love that he has for us. 
you know, we, we did, we sang this song last month in July and I just received so much positive feedback about it. I don't know if I've ever received as much positive affirmative comments as I did after we did this song last month, Is He Worthy? And so on your request, we are going to do it again today. Amen. So again, this is a, for those of you who weren't with us last month in July when we did this, this song is like a responsive reading. I'll sing a part. It, it goes, do you feel the world is broken? And then you do an echo part. We do. So, yeah, I, I look forward to sharing this with you guys again. And just I invite you to feel the love that God has for you as you answer these questions as you sing with us today. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. Do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see it all made new? We do. Is all created? Oh 
praise the Lord. Good morning and happy Sabbath, everybody. Now, I have some good news, and I have some other good news, but it kind of feels like bad news. Don't you guys kind of feel like it's bad news when we have one of our members transfer out? We do, we do not like it when people transfer out. But in this case, in this case, one of our favorite sons has um, asked permission to transfer to Spokane South Hill Seventh-day Adventist Church. And I, I don't even have to tell you who this person is, do I? I? I see people nodding and saying, this is very good news. Because we have one of our very own who is going to be pastoring, Ryan McMurphy, is uh, one of the associates up at Spokane South Hill, and we're going to miss him. But can we go ahead and vote that it's a good thing that he goes ahead and, and moves his membership over there and pastors that church? Can we have an amen for that? Okay, we'll go ahead and pass that one, begrudgingly. Um, uh, I, I've actually enjoyed getting to have some conversations with Ryan as he was a senior at Walla Walla University talking about, you know, pastor, let's have some conversations about the realities of transferring from being a student to being a pastor. I said, you know, Ryan... I feel absolutely inadequate to tell you anything other than that I will pray for you and with you. That's where we start, right? <laughs> because the thing is, is that when we go on God's journey like Ryan is doing, and he has a plan for us to use us to do his work, and he takes us to a specific place at a specific time and says, you're called to tend my sheep. You're going to need God to show you how to tend the sheep that he's given you, aren't you? Amen. Okay, now... I have some really good news. We have more people transferring in than we have transferring out. <laughs> okay. So, Ryan, we will let you go begrudgingly. We love you. We're going to miss you. But we have three uh, uh, people or families and another person that we need to uh, welcome into our church today. So here's the second reading. Uh, Jack and Sarita Humbert from Yumapine Milton Freewater. Uh, then we also have... Uh, Joni Waymeyer from Rockwood, Rockwood, Portland, Oregon. And we also need to welcome Barb Tapp, who we just welcomed into church membership today. These three, uh, well, two people plus a family moving in. Can I just get an amen for all of the people who are joining, joining our church family? Okay, and then I'm going to pray that my, uh, my uh, talking will cooperate with me today. <laughs> I will be able to put... Two words together. Okay, so now that we've taken care of some church business here and done this celebration of what God is doing, 
uh, by bringing people to us and sending Ryan out as a pastor. I want to get into the message for today. But before we begin, today's message titled, Enough is Enough. We got to pray. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I am often amazed as I stand here at the Pendleton Adventist Church and I look out and I see my mom here in attendance and friends from Pasco Riverview here visiting today and I see the church family that you've blessed me with here in Pendleton. I'm often humbled and amazed, God, that you've brought me on the journey that you have. And this morning especially, I, as we were having the worship service, I'm just feeling the emotion of joy, God, that that at 24 years old, laying in a bus stop, you called me and said, I got a job for you. And Lord, I, I never really feel adequate for this task. But today I'm asking that you will put your hand on me and bless me in a special way. I feel like the message that you've placed on my heart today is one that we all need, including me. And I feel totally inadequate to preach this sermon, but God... Be with me now, touch my lips with a coal from the altar of heaven, and speak through me. Hide me behind the cross and use me in this moment is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Enough is enough. I can remember the moment in my life when God said, enough is enough. Enough is enough. He found me laying in a bus stop. I was currently working at a jack-in-the-box. I was uh, laying in this bus stop sleeping, wearing the clothes that I worked in. Friends, if you've ever worked in a fast food restaurant, you know that the one thing that you don't want to smell like is French fry oil. And I remember waking up and I could feel the cold, damp air on my body and Squim Washington laying here in a bus stop right down the road from where I was working at the Jack in the Box. You see, that night I was not able to get any of my friends to allow me to surf on their couch. Couch surfing. I became very good at it. But that night I couldn't find anywhere and I woke up at that bus stop and I remember waking up and knowing that I was awake, eyes closed, and saying to myself, you know, I don't even want to be alive anymore. I don't, <laughs> don't want to wake up. I don't want to put my feet on the ground. I don't want to do today. I'm done. Enough is enough. I've had enough. And you know what? Each and every single one of us sitting here today have had moments in our life where trials have come, where we say to ourselves, enough is enough. Am I the only one? Every single person. If you're alive in this world for more than just a few minutes, you begin to figure out that each and every single one of us born into this world are facing an enemy. And that enemy is doing everything that he possibly can to break us down discourage us, beat us up, and make us feel like we just want to cry out to God, enough is enough. Well, I won't tell you the entire story, but what God essentially said to me is, Stephen, enough is enough. But do you know what he said to me? He said, Stephen, enough is enough. Quit your complaining. Oh, now, we never like it when God does that. It, rude. Are you kidding me? You see my... I smell like French fry oil, I'm sleeping in a bus stop, I'm working for minimum wage, and back then I think it was like maybe $7.10 an hour if you were lucky, maybe $4.90, I can't even remember. 
uh, wh where we were at in the process of minimum wage. But it was not nearly as high as minimum wage is now. So here I am, God. I'm working a minimum wage job. I spend all of my money on my addictions. No matter how hard I try to clean up my life, I am a total mess. I'm a mess. And, and, and then God says to me, enough is enough. Stop, stop, stop looking at all of the things that you don't have and all of the things that have happened to you, Stephen, and start paying attention to what I'm about to do through you. Here's what God said to me. He said, Stephen, I want you to put your feet on the ground today, and I want you to go out there, and I want you to find somebody that's worse off than you, and I want you to help them. You've got to be kidding me. You have got to be you. <laughs> okay. All right, God, you want me. And he goes, not only that, Stephen, I'm going to use you. I want to use you just like I told you when you were a little boy, eight years old. I told you that someday you're going to be a world evangelist and you're going to start, you're going to preach the gospel of the kingdom into all the world as a witness to all the nations. I'm telling you what, that plan has not changed. I still got a plan for you. Put your feet on the ground and get up out of this bus stop and get going because I've got people that I want to use you to reach with my love. Friends, I'm here to tell you that there isn't anything that can possibly go on in our lives that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And if you don't believe me, you can find it in Romans chapter 8. It says, there is nothing in all of creation. There is nothing in the heavens above. There is nothing in the earth below. There is nothing in all of creation that can ever separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And friends, I want to tell you something. In the last five years of my life, I recently actually posted about this on Instagram and Facebook earlier this week. I said, listen, in the last five years of my life, I have found myself over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. I could just keep going. Enough is enough. Are you kidding me? First, my grandfather and my uncle, then my grandmother, my mom's mom, then my dad, Then when I started out here as the pastor at Pendleton Pilot Rock, in the first 60 days here, friends, we had eight memorial services. Okay, then add to that, friends, all of us have just gone through what is possibly the craziest years of all of our lives sitting in this room, possibly the craziest. Some of us who have been around in this world a little bit longer than others might be able to say, well, you know, there's been some times in this world that were pretty bad, but this recent stretch of years has been hard on all of us. And it has me asking a question. It has me asking a question, and I think we should be asking the question. Can I tell you what the question is? It's a very simple question. Very simple question, one word. Maybe you guys can guess what I'm about to say before I even say it. Simple question. All of these bad things happening, we are asking the question, what? Why? And you go, well, pastor, you're supposed to know. I have people coming to me all the time. Friends, I cannot even believe. I've been, I, sometimes I call my mom. I, I get on the phone with mom and I say, mom, I cannot believe it. It's like every day I wake up, I'm afraid of what's next. I'm afraid of what's going to happen next because mom, it just seems like the devil is out there. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, what does it say? It says, the devil is like a lion. He is roaming about, seeking where he can cause trouble, whom he can devour, who he can discourage, who he cannot. And the crazy thing is, is if he can't get to you, then what does he do? <laughs> he says, oh, you know what? Attacking you is not going to do anything. Guess what? Now let me start just causing trouble for the people in your life. Isn't that true? 
The devil has been on a rampage, and I've been asking myself, why? Why does it seem that in the last three to five years that, that I find myself over and over and over again waking up and thinking to myself, enough is enough? Enough is enough. Is there anyone sitting in the house of God today that's feeling the same way? Enough is enough. Are we tired? And so I've, I've been asking myself the question, why? Why does it seem that right now in Earth's history, there is more trouble, there is more pain, there is more sorrow, there is more tragedy, there is more things going on in this world than ever before? Well, as you know, I've been doing the Bible in a Year reading challenge, and so up here I have in front of you on this stool, this is the stool that I use to lay my Bibles on, because what I did is I bought myself the English Standard Version of the Bible in a very big journal. It's a journal Bible, okay? And so every single book of the Bible is a journal in this really massive Bible set so that one page has scripture on it, and the other page has a place for me to write notes so that as I'm reading through the entire Bible in a year and following our Bible in a year reading plan, I am able to read the different books of the Bible and, and write down notes so that I can remember the thoughts that God placed on my heart and in my mind as I'm going through the Bible in a year reading challenge. And as most of you know, in my previous sermon, I said, you know what, did you know that Ezra and Nehemiah are history books? Do you guys remember that sermon? I said, did you know Ezra and Nehemiah are history books? And here's the amazing thing, the amazing thing, these historians were actually used by God to record what the prophets were saying to a group of people who were discouraged and had quit doing the work that God had told them to do, and they quit doing anything for a two-year period of time. And as you'll remember, in the book of Ezra, it tells us that the people of God who had been pulled out of Babylon, who had been brought out of slavery, a slavery that they actually caused themselves to go into by idolatry, and, and, and through sinful and wicked living, a slavery that the devil had taken them into because of the fact that they had chosen to be servants of the devil instead of servants of the king who had chosen them and originally brought them out of the land of slavery and given them their own land and their own kingdom. And then what do they do? They end up using that kingdom to worship the very enemy that had enslaved them in the first place. The next thing you know, boom, the enemy's got them right back in slavery. And then God calls them and he says, okay, I'm going to keep a promise to you. We're at the end of a 70-year period of time. Now I, God, am going to keep a promise to you. And you know what's amazing about the promise that God keeps to these people? He says, I'm keeping the promise to you not because you've been better, not because you're all worshiping me, not because you've all turned from idolatry, not because you deserve it, but I'm actually going to bring you out of Babylon. I'm going to bring you back into the land that I gave you. I'm going to use you to rebuild this city. And I'm not doing it because you deserve it. I'm doing it because I'm God. God is love. I am good. And I'm going to be gracious. And I'm going to be merciful. And I'm going to not only bring you out of captivity and bring you back to the city of Jerusalem, but I'm actually even going to cause the king, I'm going to move on the king by the power of the Holy Spirit to fund the entire thing. So the king says, ha, I got a grand idea. You know what? You guys should go back and build the city. I should give you all your silver. I should give you all your bronze. I should give you all your gold. I'm going to give you all of the resources. I'm going to pay for the entire thing. I think you guys should rebuild the city. Friends, this is total lunacy. Do you realize a king who has conquered a people never gives them all their stuff back and says, how about you go and fortify all of your walls? How about you repair all of your gates? How about you build Jerusalem and Israel back up to the point where they could actually go to war with us and win? Nobody does this. Nobody conquers an entire group of people and then says, 
you know what, how about we just give you your power back after we've tortured you and made you miserable and held you in slavery for 70 years? Nobody does this. Only God can do something like, this is totally crazy. And the reason I bring it up is because, friends, when we come to a place in our life where we find ourselves saying, enough is enough, I'm tired of it. We got to remember something. Friends, we serve a God who has recorded for us in the New Testament prophecies about what's going to happen right now in earth's history. You know what God said in the Bible? He says, listen, when Jesus died on the cross and he cried out in his own way, enough is enough. It is finished. At that moment, everything that you and I need to gain victory over the devil, to be a part of God's kingdom here on earth, to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth, everything that we need in order to win the war against the enemy has been given to us. Can I get an amen for that? We do not lack anything that we need to have victory over the enemy. And so I want to tell you something, Pendleton, Pilot Rock Church District, God has given us a mission that is way too big for us. God has given us a mission that many of us at times have said, you know what, I'm done. I don't even want to do it anymore. Enough is enough. I'm tired. I'm taking a couple years out. I'm out of here. This is too much for me. I can't do it. And I'm here to tell you today, like I said in my last sermon, and I'm repeating this part again because we actually had the video of the sermon, but for some odd reason we were not able to get the sound. It was crazy. I was getting emails and phone calls. I want to tell my friends to listen to this sermon. And people got onto the YouTube to try to listen to the sermon, and they were unable to hear anything. And I actually kind of smiled and started laughing because a lot of people were wanting to hear what I said. And, um, well, guess what? They've been coming to my office and knocking on my door and sitting with me in my office saying, could you please let me know a little bit about what happened in the sermon this week? Amen and amen. You see, God's always on the throne and he's always moving. And he even takes the attacks of the enemy trying to shut down our sound and keep our video from working and everything else. And he says, you know what? Let me use that to your advantage so that we can reach even more people with the gospel of the kingdom. Can I get an amen for that? All right, we're going to do it. So here we go. I want to jump forward to Nehemiah because Nehemiah has something going on here and I need to highlight it and point it out. Because first of all, through Ezra, we find out that the people of God come to Jerusalem, right? You guys following me? They come into Jerusalem and then they get discouraged because their own people start attacking them as they're trying to rebuild the city. And the reason they're attacking them is because they're not building the city the way they think they should. And they also won't allow them to join them in building the city because they said, no, 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 no. God said that the exiles who went into Babylon have to come back and build the city. God did not tell us that you could help us build the city. You guys kind of just let us do what God called us to do. Hey, right? And so the people get mad and they're like, well, if you're not going to let us tell you how to build the wall and you're not going to let us tell you how it's going to be done and you're not going to let us be part of it, then we're going to go ahead and get a hold of the king that told you you could build the wall and we're going to get you in trouble. Na, 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 na. And so the people end up getting them in trouble. And they get discouraged because an order said, you better stop building that city right now. So the people quit. Two years. They do nothing. And here's what I want to say to you. Friends, all through my life as a Christian, I've had people telling me that we need to do more. I'm going to tell you something today that's going to sound totally crazy. On September 1 of 2022, the Upper Columbia Conference has asked me and the pastors in this conference to join them in helping lead a prayer challenge called Vertical. And the Vertical Prayer Challenge is a 40-day prayer challenge that's going to take us through the book of Acts. 
In your bulletin, there is a sheet of paper that gives you the entire outline that we are following, what you need to read each day. But more than that, at the bottom of the, of the sheet and even in your bulletin, so friends, read your bulletin, there is a website. We have put together a website with every resource that you need to do the vertical prayer challenge. And right on the front page of the website, it's a spot where you can sign up and say, you know what, Pastor Farr, I want to join you in praying for the Pendleton Pilot Rock Church District. I want to join you in praying for this region, for this conference, and for everyone in it, that God, over this 40-day period of time, will give the pastors and all of the members and the conference president and the administrators a vision of what God wants to do in our church, in our conference, to reach one more man, one more woman, one more boy, one more girl for the kingdom of God. And I, I called Eric on the phone yesterday. He's the ministerial director for the conference. I called him on the phone. I said, Eric, I'm going to tell you something. God has convicted me of something. Now, when I say this, none of you are going to believe me. You're going to say, Pastor Farr, you don't do anything but come up with new ideas. You're constantly working and doing things. You know what God told me during September 1 to October 10 that I have to do? He said, Stephen, no brand new ideas. None. You're not allowed to start anything brand new. You're not allowed to try to do anything to accomplish the mission that I've given you. You have to stop. Stop. Pump the brakes. Now, I'm going to continue doing the Bible in a year reading challenge, okay? And I will be doing the 40 days of prayer. But I am not allowed, and I even have my ministerial director said, I'm holding you accountable to this. I said, I am not allowed to start any brand new ideas. I'm not allowed to do, I just have to spend 40 days praying for God's vision for this church, for our conference, and for each and every single one of you. So for 40 days from September 1 until October 10, I'm going to be praying. I'm going to be praying for me. I'm going to be praying for you in our local church. I'm going to be praying for our conference. And I'm going to be saying, God, I want you by the power of the Holy Spirit to give a vision to each and every single one of the members of this church in the entire conference, in the local church, in the region, in all of the conference, that will unify us under a vision that you give us for what we're going to do at this time. Doesn't that sound like good news to you? Oh, and here's the beautiful thing, friends. Why is it that we want to spend 40 days praying for God's vision? Can anyone tell me? Huh? Okay, so we'll do what he wants. And if, if we have a vision and we start doing what God wants us to do, what do they call that? When you have a vision and you start accomplishing the vision... You start going out on that vision. You start living it out. It starts with an M. If we know God's vision, then we will be prepared to work together on God's mission. And if we are on God's mission, here's why we want God's vision and God's mission. You ready for this? This is amazing. Because if we will ask God for his vision and his mission for this church, for this conference, then this is what's going to happen. God is not only going to give us the vision, but he's going to empower us for the mission and he's going to provide for us every single resource that we need to accomplish the mission. And friends, if we're doing our own thing, if we're all doing our own thing, then sure, we can work really hard and try to get stuff done. But if we will partner with God, then instead of working really hard, we can work together with God's power, with God's resources, with God's vision, on God's mission. And friends, we're going to do things in Pendleton and Pilot Rock that we've never done before. And I know some of you are thinking, okay, Pastor Farr, you know, listen. 
We've heard this before. Right? We've heard this all before. And we have. As God's people, we've heard it over and over and over. Yeah, Jesus is coming soon. I mean, you know, sometimes, listen, friends, enough is enough. And I get discouraged too. So I'm going to let you know, if you've had moments where you felt discouraged, where you felt like, I just quit, I just want to give up, you know what I want to tell you to do? Cry out to God. Lament. Tell God how you feel. You know what? You know what I do when I get upset? Sometimes I'm out here in the parking lot at the Pendleton Church next to the tree overlooking the town, and I'm like, enough is enough! Are you kidding me? And people will tell you, well, you know, Pastor Farr, can't you be a little bit more, can't you just kind of keep, you should probably be holy. And when bad things are happening to you, you have to go and thank Jesus that bad things are happening to you because that's holy. Friends, get over that. Stop that. Do not do, when bad things happen to you, you know what I want you to do? I want you to cry. I want you to cry. You know what I want you to do? I want you to call me and I want you to tell me what happened and I want to cry with you. No, I'm not even kidding you. I've been crying a lot lately. I want to cry. I want to yell. I want to, I want to get upset. I want to get mad. I want to get in that prayer closet and I want to tell God exactly what I think. And I want you to do it too. I don't want you to come to church and put on a fake smile and pretend like everything's okay. Friends, I got news for you. Things are not okay. Turn on the news. Don't turn on the news. Because then you'll have to go to your counselor and say, can you up that dose of antidepressant medication? I watched Fox News. I told you not to do that. Stop that. Okay, so back to Nehemiah. Here we go. We are now going to jump into the part that I did not cover last time. So for those of you that were here in person and heard the last sermon, for those of you that are online, this is where we get to the good stuff. Are we ready for the good stuff? Okay, we are ready for the good stuff. Here's the reason why God told me to preach a sermon called Enough is Enough. Here it is, right here. It says here that after everybody tried to confound Ezra, that after everybody tried to confuse Nehemiah and discourage them and keep them from doing the work, finally, after two years of listening to the prophets tell them, you guys, you're supposed to be building the wall. Yeah, but the king told us not to. You guys, God sent you here to build the wall and has provided everything that you need to build the wall. Yeah, but, but, but the king told us not to. And after two years of listening to them preach, from Jeremiah and from Isaiah and from the prophets who had told them that after 70 years they would rebuild the wall. Finally, the people get encouraged. They get a leader and Nehemiah says, you know what? We're going to start building the wall even though they told us not to build the wall. And here's what happens in Nehemiah chapter 6. It's amazing. Because when the people came and said, you're not allowed to build the wall anymore, this time after two years of listening to all of the prophets, they had an answer for the people who told them no and the answer came from the word of God. Friends, when the enemy comes and tells us that we cannot have the vision of God or that we can't succeed in the mission of God or that we just need to give up and quit and sit still and, and when the enemy comes against us on all sides and tries to thwart the plan of God, here is the one thing that will always send the enemy packing. It's the word of God. And so when the people came on both sides, you had the people on the outside and the people on the inside who were all fighting the building of the wall. They were causing as much trouble as they possibly could. And here's the reason they were doing it. They were doing it because the enemy was inspiring them to, to stop Nehemiah and Ezra. But this time, the people were ready. They said, you know what? <laughs> Actually, go ahead and go back to King Artaxerxes at the time, and you let him know what we're doing, and you tell him to look at the writings in the prophets and also the history books 
of Babylon. And what you're going to find is, is that the king actually ordered us to do it and paid for it. And if you do anything to stand in our way, you are literally standing against the crown. Aha. Uh -huh. Not only the heavenly crown, but also the earthly crown. Did you know that when God has a vision and a mission for us, that there isn't anything that any of the kingdoms or the leaders of this world can do to stop that mission and that vision? And in fact, the Holy Spirit can actually even inspire them to fund the mission. We actually have that happening in our modern day world today. We have governments and cities coming to the church and saying, hey, we would like you to partner with us and helping the people in our cities because we can't find anyone that wants to do the job of helping people. Would the church help us? Interesting. Okay, so in Nehemiah chapter 6, turn there in your Bibles. Nehemiah chapter 6. This is where it gets good. It says, in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1, Now when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem and Arab and the rest of the enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, Although, up to that time, I had not set up the doors in the grates. So the only thing left to do was set up the doors in the, in, the, in the kingdom, right? No breaches. All the gates were repaired. All they needed to do now was put the doors on. It says, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, Come and let us meet together at Hecaphirim in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. And I sent a message to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down from the wall. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. In the same manner, in the same way, Sam Bellet, for the fifth time, sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. In it was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you are building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim this concerning you in Jerusalem. Uh-oh. Do you see the strategy that they're using now? Here's what they have now done against Nehemiah. They are saying, you know what we're going to do? We're going to develop a conspiracy. Aha. We can't stop him from the inside or the outside. We can't cause him trouble and get him to quit building the wall. And so you know what we're going to do? We are going to send a message to Nehemiah telling him that we are going to send to the king. Xerxes, and let him know that the reason that you are building the city is because you actually intend to rebel and do evil to King Artaxerxes and the kingdoms of this world. You actually tend to rise up and start war with the kingdoms around you. And you have also set up prophets proclaiming this about you. So guess what? Nehemiah, not only do we know this, but you've actually told people to go around and tell people this lie that God's going to use you to go to war against the kingdom that's funding the rebuilding of Jerusalem. Let me ask you a question. If somebody came to you and accused you of actual treason, that you had actually been conspiring with the enemy against the United States of America, and it seemed that they might even have evidence and false witnesses to prove it, would you be scared? And here's what Nehemiah says. <laughs> so that's what you're going to try? He says, listen, I don't have time to come to your meeting. I'm not coming to the meeting. You know why I'm not coming to the meeting? Because God gave me a job to do. I'm supposed to be up here. I cannot come down to you. I'm going to stay up here 
and I'm going to build the wall. You want to talk to me? Come up on the wall. You see, if the enemy can't get you by attacking you, if the enemy can't get you by using other people to try to stop you, if the enemy can't get you by attacking the people that you love, if the enemy can't get you to stop doing what God has called you to do, he will then begin to try to use his favorite tool, fear. And you know what we need to do when the enemy starts using fear? Ooh, I think someone said it. What do we need to do when the enemy starts using fear? We need to start praising God. There's somebody else. There's another P word. Friends, I want to give you a practical application for what I just shared with you about Nehemiah on the wall saying I cannot come down. Friends, you know what? There are going to be people who come to you who try to get you all excited about negative things. There are going to be people who will come to you and give you evil reports. There are going to be people who the devil will use to try to get you consumed in your mind and in your heart and in your soul on anything except for God's vision and mission for your life. When you are building the wall, when you are working together with God to preach the gospel of the kingdom and do all the world. Oh, I'm always bringing Matthew 24, 14. You see, I, ah, Daniel's like, hey, I knew he was going to use that scripture. He's used it in every sermon that he's preached in the first 14 months that I've been here. I have never preached a sermon without bringing this up. If you are going to work together with me to build the kingdom. Oh, you heard me. If you're going to work together with me, if you're going to be a member of the Pendleton and Pilot Rock Church District, if you're going to say, God, I'm laying down my life and I'm picking up my cross. I'm at a crossroad. I'm making a decision. I'm going to lay down my life. I'm picking up my cross. Jesus, I'm following you. If you're going to be a part of God's team, if you're going to be in God's kingdom, if you're going to say, you know what? I am done sitting on the fence. I'm going to start help building God's kingdom. If you're going to do that, here's what's going to happen. The enemy is going to try to stop you. But here's what, this is what Nehemiah does. I love this. You guys interested in knowing what he does? I want to know what he does. Here's what he does. I'm going to read it to you from the Bible. Let's go to Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 15, 16, 17. I'm not going to read it all, but let's go, just go and look at it with your own eyes so that you know I'm not making this up. We ready for this? You ready for this out there on uh, the live stream and on Facebook and YouTube and everywhere else? Okay, we're ready for this. Check this out. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month Elul in the 52 days, meaning in the 52nd day. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were terrified and fell greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of God. You see, the minute the gates were closed, the minute the wall was finished, the minute the work that God had given them to do was finished, in that moment, 
all of the people who were being used by the enemy to conspire against the word of God and use fear tactics and, and try to attack the people and do everything they could do to stop the work of God. In the moment that the wall was complete, in the moment that his kingdom had come, in the moment that his will had been done, in the moment that the wall was finished, the enemy quit being so proud. The enemy quit mocking so loud. The enemy started trying to blend into the crowd. Uh-oh. And so here I bring an answer to your question, why? Because I say enough is enough. You guys with me? I say I'm tired of seeing loved ones hurt. I, I, I say I'm tired of, of, of watching the world in confusion. I'm tired of the poverty and the negativity. I'm tired of the human tra trafficking. I am tired of the fentanyl, the drug addiction, and the early deaths. I'm tired of the murders. Friends, the things I'm saying out of my mouth right here have happened in this community in the last 14 months. Do you hear me? Lawlessness abounds. The hearts of people are growing cold. The world is getting turned upside down. Inflation is out of control. Prices for the food that we want to eat, if you can even find it on the shelves, is spiking. Things are getting crazy. The devil wants you to be afraid. But I'm here to tell you something today. Enough is enough. And if we will let God use us, if we will come together and pray, if you will join me from September 1 to October 10 and pray for God's vision, I'm going to tell you something. God is going to give us a vision. God is going to remind us of what it says in his word about what we are supposed to be doing at this very moment. God is going to unify us on a mission. Friends, there is nothing that the devil hates more than when God's people become unified by the power of the Holy Spirit with a vision from God that sets them on a mission that God is empowering. The people perceived that God was the one who built the wall. The people perceived that God was the one who had set them on the mission. The people perceived that what God had spoken in his word no man could stop because no word that has ever proceeded from the mouth of God has ever proceeded to him void. In the beginning, God spoke and there was light. In the beginning, God formed a man and breathed and we had a man. In the beginning, God created. And I've got one last thing to share with you this morning. You see, friends, because enough is enough and Jesus said that enough is enough and in John Chapter 19, as we heard in our reading today, there's a very important part of this text. I have it marked with my favorite bookmark that I got when I was in Jerusalem. It is a miniature prayer rug for when I'm on the road. Okay, and this is big enough to remind me to pray. Every time I look at this thing, I remember I got to pray. Here it is. Let's go to the verse. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished. Did you hear that word? <laughs> After this, when Nehemiah knew the gates were closed, the wall was built, they'd done the work God had called them to do. Immediately, the enemy fell back in fear. Friends, I'm going to tell you something. The enemy has been attacking us and causing trouble and rattling his chains and trying to get us to act out in fear and in our emotions and in our trauma and to look at our past and to say to ourselves, oh, all that God has said won't happen. 
The wall's not going to be built. The things that God wants to have happen are not going to be done. But I'm here to tell you today that if we will pray, if we will come together, if we will ask for God's vision, then he's not only going to give us the vision, but he's going to unite us together on a mission that is going to finish building the wall. And when it's done, oh, Jesus perceiving that everything that God had asked him to do, that everything that the patriarchs and prophets had said that he would do, that what Jesus said to Adam and Eve when he came into the garden, he says, I know you sinned, but you know what? I'm going to step on the serpent's head. You watch me. I'm coming back. I'm going to do something that the enemy doesn't see coming. I'm going to make myself like the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, and I'm going to allow Satan to do his worst in front of the whole world. And then we see it in John chapter 19. Jesus is hanging on the cross, and he's sitting there, and, 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 he, and he cries out so that the final thing that in Scripture that was said about him would be fulfilled. It says, so that all things could be fulfilled that God said would happen through his son, would be fulfilled. Jesus says, I'm thirsty. Are any of you thirsty? Are any of you joining me in saying enough is enough? Are you tired of letting the enemy rattle his chains? And hurt your families and your... Are you tired of seeing Satan do all of this evil and God being blamed for it? Because I'm going to tell you something. God is not the God of death. God is not the one who took your loved ones. Let me just say that out loud right now. The devil is the accuser of the brothers and the sisters. The devil is the one who's causing the trouble. The devil is the one who doesn't want us to be on the vision and the mission of God. And he will do anything to get us to come off the... Could you just come have a meeting with me, please? <laughs> Did you know what? <laughs> let me just, uh, yeah, let's start some rumors. <laughs> let's, let's, uh, let's, let's get you a little negative. Let's mess you up. Let's remind you about your past. Let's do anything we can to keep you from doing what God has called you to do. Because he knows in that moment that Jesus said, I'm thirsty. Ooh, this was the last thing Jesus hadn't done that was prophesied about him. Boom. Knowing that he had to do everything that God the Father said that he would do, he was ready to give his life. Not lose it, give it. You see, because Jesus didn't die because he didn't have the power to come off that cross and live. He died for you and me because he had the power to come off that cross and live, but he chose to lay down his life on the cross. And he says, will you pick up your cross while you're living? Will you be people who will lay down your lives of selfishness and self-centeredness, doing everything that you can to seek to save your own life? Will you come to the crossroad and say, I'm not going to do it because my Savior has already won the victory. I'm going to tell you something. Our final victory has already been achieved by Jesus Christ on the cross. Let me just finish this last piece right here. I'm going to put my glasses on so I can see it. So when Jesus... knew that all things were now accomplished. That scripture might be fulfilled said, I'm thirsty. And they brought the bitter wine and they put it up to his mouth and once they had put that, I mean, trust me friends, you did not want to taste gall, okay? This is not... You don't go down to Walla Walla and say, hey, you know what, let's go find out what the best tasting... No, 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 no. Listen, friends, this is not the kind of wine you want stuck to your mouth, all right? They give this to criminals dying, okay? This is kind of like a, a mercy kill, right? 
Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled the sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, say it with me, it is finished. I want to tell you something. I have it marked here, so I won't forget to tell you. All of the other scriptures I had in my sermon, God gave to me from memory because I didn't have time to turn to them. But I have to turn to this one. First Corinthians, or yeah, First Corinthians chapter 15. Did I mark it? I marked it. Praise the Lord. This is the scripture I have to say to you today. If, I, if you don't remember anything else that I said, people on YouTube, people on everyone watching and listening, if you're hearing this right now, if you forget everything about enough is enough and it is finished and we got to come together for the vision and the mission, and will you please join me in this 40 days of prayer? Will you please let God bring us together by the power of his spirit to do his work? If you forget all of that, I want to tell you something that's going to help you in the rest of this journey. Because friends, in the rest of this journey we're on, the devil is going around like a lion seeking whom he might devour. And he's not going to quit because his time is running out. If you want to know why the devil has been ramping it up, I'm telling you something. Jesus is coming and he's coming soon and the devil is running out of time and he is really angry and that is why he is turning up the heat and here it is first corinthians chapter 15 the last enemy destroyed right And I actually marked it down here in my, I marked it so that I can find it or I can see it. Right here. In my Bible on the stage, sorry. Oh. Okay, what it says here, it says in verse 26, the last enemy that Christ will destroy is death. The last enemy, look at, look at it for yourself, 1 Corinthians 15, 26. The final enemy that Christ destroys is death. Now, does that mean that he doesn't have the power over death right now? No. What it means is, is that Christ on the cross, laying down his life, received the power to do everything. It's already done. The victory for you and for me is one. And we find out in, in 1 Corinthians 15 also, he says, let me explain a mystery to you. Not all of you will sleep before I come again, but when I do come again, every single one of you will be changed from perishable to imperishable, from mortal to immortal. Can I, can I get an amen for that? When Jesus comes again, he says in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, the final enemy... that I put a stop to for the rest of eternity is death. And everyone who has fallen asleep and all who are standing there watching me in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, are going to be changed. And friends, we don't have... Can I, can I get an amen? I, listen, before the sermon today, I was having cramps in my neck and in my shoulder. My mom was standing in the uh, foyer because I have this new thing that's happening with me at 40 years old where my neck is narrowing and it's squeezing the plates and the nerves. And when this happens, I start feeling like I'm having a heart attack. The room starts spinning and my stomach starts turning upside down. Old age. Look at me like some of you, some of you people that are a few years ahead of me are like, Stephen, if you ever talk about old age, I'm going to come after the sermon and say, Pastor, 
don't ever do that again. All right. But what I'm saying to you is, is I'm standing in there in the foyer and I'm starting to have these symptoms. And sometimes when I've had these symptoms, I have to go home and lay down and I can't do anything for the rest of the day. And I just bowed my head, prayed, walked to my office, sat down, drank a bottle of water and said, God, will you help me go preach the sermon today, even if I'm having symptoms? Will you help me preach the sermon, even if I'm busy and I can't find my way through the book that I'm in? Will you help me preach the sermon, even if I'm having pain? Will you help me keep building the wall, even if the enemy's trying to stop me? Will you let me preach the gospel of your kingdom one more time? Because as long as I'm alive and I've got breath in my lungs, I'm going to keep doing it. Friends, I'm here to tell you what God wants me to tell you today. Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. What he meant is enough is enough. And he has told us something that in the moment that he laid down his life, the devil thought he had won a victory by putting Christ in the grave. And I want you to read the, the rest of 1 Corinthians 15 on your own. I'm not going to read it for you. You can read. Get together and read it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, here is what Paul tells us. Paul tells us that in that moment that the devil thought he had won the victory by putting Christ in the grave, that Christ had actually won the victory and he proved it when he resurrected back from the dead and went and sat by his father on the throne in heaven. And the Bible tells us that Jesus in heaven wants to give us a gift. It's his father in heaven that wants to give us that gift through Christ. It says anyone any one of my people who will come together and pray will receive the Holy Spirit, which is the power that will enable them to do the works that Jesus did, greater works than these, and they will preach the gospel of the kingdom into all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the final enemy will be defeated. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 tells us when Jesus comes again, he's going to open the clouds like a scroll, you're going to hear the trumpet sound, and all of heaven's armies will be coming with him. But he's coming with good news. And the good news is this. He's going to say it once and for all. Enough is enough. And he's going to call your name. And when he calls your name in a blinking of an eye. Oh, you're going to see the loved ones you lost that the enemy tried to convince you. Ha ha, I'm in power. Look at me. I'm taking away the people you care about. You know what? In that moment... Christ is going to call every name and they will come forth from the graves and we will see them transfigured. And it says the dead in Christ will go first and we will be caught together with them to meet our Savior in the clouds. I'm here to tell you, enough is enough. It is finished. It's time to let God empower us to preach the gospel of the kingdom into all the world as a witness to all the nations so that Jesus can come again. God bless.